Pastor Ed Taylor making the connection between communication and growth. You know, relationship matters to God, and prayer develops our relationship. How do relationships grow? Through time and testing. And the greater the communication, the greater opportunity for our relationships to grow. The more you talk with someone, the more you grow. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. So how's your prayer life going, if I may ask? If you're cringing in shame right about now, you're not alone. Many of us struggled in this area, and the Lord knew that we'd need some help. In Matthew chapter 6, we find a great way to pray. It's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but Pastor Ed Taylor prefers to call it the Disciples' Prayer. It serves as a great model for us in our communication with God. Let's head there now as King Jesus teaches us to pray on abounding grace. I like to refer to it as the disciples' prayer. And notice right away that there's no secret power to this prayer, that there is no secret power to repeating it over and over again, vainly, repetitively, habitually. Jesus doesn't say here, repeat this prayer exactly after me the rest of your spiritual life. He doesn't forbid repeating it either. He doesn't forbid using it as a model to remember how to address God. But he says, in this way, this is a great way to pray. This is a great model to pray. The balance in this prayer is powerful if it's prayed from the heart. And if you find yourself using it as a sincere prayer from the heart, God will bless it. And it will inspire other things to talk to him about. Now notice in verse 9. This is, we'll begin kind of breaking it down. Now, in, in this Bible study, we could have easily broken this off in each section be one Bible study. And we're not going to do that, but it, you could. You could spend a whole Bible study just looking at the significance like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How does the prayer begin? By addressing our Father. We're not addressing your father. We're not addressing their father. We're not addressing my father. He says, when you begin in prayer, keep in mind that you're addressing our father. And almost immediately in prayer, not only are we reminded of a God who loves us like a dad, but we're also reminded that we are not alone, that we're a part of the spiritual family of God. That's one of the most beautiful things to think of, that no matter where you came from, no matter what your background is, no matter what you're into, no matter what your nationality is, what country you were born in, what color your skin is, what language you speak, or any of the other things that might separate us, by faith in Jesus Christ, we are all answering and connected and related to our Father. We share that in common. That means you can go anywhere in the world or anyone in the world can come here and by faith in Jesus Christ through true repentance, a born-again man, woman, child is our brother or sister in him. And I have worshipped around the world 
in a lot of different languages, a lot of different cultures, and a lot of different contexts. And it's just something beautiful to know that even though I don't understand what they're saying, and even though I don't understand, I've never heard that song before, or even though I've never sat on, but by worshiping with them, this is my family anywhere on the planet Earth by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a taste of really what heaven's going to be like. Our Father. I realize, and I spoke to some, that because of your upbringing, the idea of a loving, caring father has just been shattered. It's just been shattered in your life because of, of the man that was supposed to be your father or the, or the man that was your father and the decisions that he made and all. But listen, God, God is not like that. He's not like any man on the earth. The, the, greatest, the greatest picture of our father, well, Jesus said it this way, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. It's the greatest picture of what love is from a dad. And when Jesus is praying, he wants us to know God as father, our father, together, the spiritual family. Notice, hallowed be your name. Again, circle the word hallow, you can write next to it, honor. Honor the name of God. Honor him. Respect him. Which really speaks to us to to be careful how we address God. Because I hear people, and I'm sure you do too, when they're referring to God, they'll, they'll refer to him as the big guy upstairs. Big guy upstairs. Or the man upstairs. Listen, God is neither the big guy or the man upstairs. He is God, and you are not. Honor him. <laughs> Honor him. And it's funny, you know, it's always the big guy upstairs. It's not the big guy in the elevator, not the big guy in the escalator. He's always upstairs somehow. And it's a demeaning of who God really is. He's not the big guy upstairs. For believers, he's our father. And his name is to be honored. And like I said, we could develop this into a Bible study in and of itself of how God reveals himself and his name to us. But, but I, think of, I think of when he revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, honor him, God who's a healer. Or I think of when he, Moses is so afraid and so nervous. He's, he's going to go back and he's going to lead the children of Israel out of slavery. And he's going to bring them into the promised land. But he's nervous and he's afraid. And he says, well, who am I supposed to say that sent me? What's your name? And God says, I am who I am, the becoming one. He's to be honored and respected. Just like the Bible says today that children, we're to honor our mothers and fathers. Same with God when you pray. Notice next in verse 10. When we pray, we're to pray in this manner. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's God's will for your life. That's God's will for my life. To see the kingdom of God lived out in our lives and in our homes and in our marriages and in our parenting and in our jobs. The kingdom of God. We don't speak much of kingdoms today. Especially in our educational system, since we live in a, what's known as a democracy or a republic where we don't think of kingdom. We have a voice in what's being said and we can cast a vote and we don't think of kingdoms. But there are still countries, especially in the Middle East, are under very imperfect kingdoms. And, you know, the one that we're probably connected to the most in the UK is really just a figurehead. But let me remind us today what a true kingdom is. A true kingdom is a system of government, of the government of man, where a king is the absolute ruler and authority for all those within the kingdom. So there is a king 
who says what goes, when it happens, how it's to happen, and everyone within that kingdom are subjects to the king and do what he says. That's the simple definition of a kingdom. The perfect, most beautiful kingdom that's ever described is the kingdom of God where he is king and we do what he says. So every time you obey, you're obeying as a subject to your king, your loving king. Every time you read something in the Bible and you choose to do it, you are subjecting yourself to the king. And and Jesus even said, and that describes a little bit what Jesus described where he says, you have the kingdom already in you believers. And what does that mean? Well, when you obey God, you're living out the kingdom. And this really speaks to an error that many of us make in in our prayer life. Because if we were to translate our prayers, at times we would be praying, not your will be done, not your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. We probably would be here praying, hey, my kingdom come and my will be done in heaven like I want it done on earth. And Jesus says, that's not how it works. That's not prayer. That's not true prayer. That's not a true expression of a believer that loves God and submitted himself to the one who bought you with his own blood. It's, it's not my will be done. It's his will be done. Now, I know, because we, we read in Psalm 34 today that there are times when we wrestle with God There are times when we want God to do something so badly that we might say, just please, Lord, just do it now. Just take care of this. Handle this. We're not speaking of the wrestling and the the outpouring of your heart in a particular situation. Because even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we find coming out of his mouth, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done as he's in the shadow of the cross. But Jesus says, when, he, when you pray, you've got to understand something. You're talking to your father, who is the king. And you and I, we are his subjects. And when we pray, we need to be asking for his will to be done. Asking and petitioning him. Because in heaven right now, of, of, there's a lot of things in heaven that we don't know about. There's a lot of mystery still. I mean, we get some glimpses of it in various parts and, uh, of the scriptures. We get some glimpses how glorious it's going to be and the dwelling place of God. And some, but there's some things we don't quite know. I'll tell you one thing we know with absolute certainty, 100%. In heaven right now, God's kingdom is in full force. There is no rebel in heaven. There, there is no rebellious undergirding. There's no little corner group in the corner of heaven over behind cloud number 10 over there trying to launch a rebellion and a betrayal against God. God's kingdom is in full force. He is in complete control. And Jesus says, pray that way for your life right now. Submit your situations, your life to him and pray for his kingdom to come. There's also a prophetic part to this. For homework, if you want to, you can read through in in the place where this is going to happen in the future, where the king of kings is going to return. He's going to come and rule and reign for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom. It's Revelation chapter 20. This is going to happen prophetically. But until then, it needs to happen practically in our lives. Notice the next one. He says, give us this day our daily bread. This is not something that we pray for very often either. This is a hard one to pray. I'm sure of the things in this prayer that we haven't prayed in a long time. We haven't prayed, give us this day our daily bread. Now, 
I know there are exceptions to that. We live in a very affluent culture. We, have, we've, we live in a very affluent country. And we're not really thinking too much about our daily bread. It's very hard to pray, give me my daily bread, when we can go down to Costco and they make you buy two loaves, not just one. So you've got to get the bag and put them in. If you're going to get the deal, you've got to get them both. And, and so what we've learned how to accommodate ourselves to such affluence. At least this is what we do. When we get that loaf of bread, we put one on the counter and one in the freezer. And we're not really, I'm I, examining my own prayer life. I, I just thinking through of what my mind has been encapsulated with over the last few weeks and months and even years. It hasn't been daily bread. It hasn't. I have to admit that before the Lord. I'll admit it before you. I've got bread in the freezer in a very literal way. Now, even though we have an affluent culture, we have a lot of hurting people in our community. Hundreds and hundreds of people come through this this building alone, let alone other churches in town, that they leave with boxes of food to provide their daily bread. That's just where they're at in their life right now where they could be excelling. I mean, it happens in an instant. You could be excelling and, and doing so well, and then one visit to your boss's office, that's all changed. It happens instantly. You know, those that do so, study such things just say that most people living in an affluent culture like this are still just one paycheck away from great difficulty in their lives. But whether you're one paycheck away or a thousand paychecks away, Jesus still says this, pray daily dependence upon the Lord for your provision in life. You go, well, Ed, what if I have two loaves of bread in, I have one in the kitchen and one in the freezer? What does that mean to me? Listen, I, I think this is the principle that God is teaching us. When you look daily, when you pray and ask God to provide for you daily your provision, whatever it may be, when you ask daily, you're going to look to God daily. And that's the point. You're, gonna, you're not going to look to Costco, and you're not going to look to your bank account. And you're not going to look how you can work it all around. When you ask God daily for your provision, because the Bible says that God is able to provide for all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, when we learn to number our days, like the psalmist says, number our days, none of us are promised tomorrow. When we look to number our days and to ask God for our daily provision, we're going to look to God. Anything you ask from God, you're going to look to God. And that's a good benefit. You're not going to depend upon yourself. And therefore, he'll deal with the worry and the anxiety, and you can learn how to trust in him. Notice verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jump down to verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So in your prayer, forgiveness is very important. Forgiveness two ways. First of all, laying before God and requesting, laying before God your life and your sin and asking God to forgive you. Confession, we would refer that to. One thing I learned as a new believer, I'm going to give to you, and it's helped me every day that I apply it, and that is when I'm confessing sin or I'm asking God to forgive me of my debts, I was taught to name the sin by name. And whatever I did to whoever I did it. Like to be really exact with God. Remember, you're, you know, I don't know that that would be a prayer in a prayer, you know, try to pray that prayer, prayer in a prayer group. But when you're alone in your closet between you and the Lord, he already knows. He already knows what's going on. 
And you don't have to dig. It's not like one of those things where you're digging, but you know, you're praying, God, I, 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 forgive me for saying that to so-and-so. Forgive me. What was I thinking? God, you know my heart, but I was so mad. Forgive me for my anger. I was in the flesh. God, God, forgive me for that lustful thought. For, forgive me for, for lying to that person. I didn't tell the truth. I need to go back and ask them for forgiveness. But God, forgive me because I sinned against you. No, but instead what we do is, well, I, you know, I didn't lie. I just kind of not, didn't tell you everything. You know, that, that's not what Jesus said. You want clean heart? You want, you want clean hands? You want a pure heart? You want to have a walk that just is progressing and strong? Ask God to forgive you your debts. Just because you were born again, you didn't stop sinning. You might sin less, praise God for that, but you don't become sinless. <laughs> but praise God, we're not sinning as much as we were before we were saved, right? Amen, you get to that? Isn't that good? You are not that rotten sinner that you used to be. You're now a redeemed, sort of rotten sinner. <laughs> God's working in you. You're different. You're different. You're not who you used to be. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you pray, ask God to forgive your debt. And as you receive that forgiveness, God says, now forgive those in your life. Forgive them. The word forgive, if you're, again, writing in your Bible, circle it, right next to it, release, release. It's an accounting term. And it literally does mean to release somebody from their debt or from their obligation. Release, forgive, forgive. One of the most, you, you and I, we are, we are the most closest to walking in the spirit, to walking like Jesus when we forgive. It's such a difficult thing in our lives because I know some of you are going, wait, 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 wait a minute, Ed. What if they didn't repent? What if they didn't ask for it? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's a painful thing if they don't admit It's a painful thing if they don't want to admit or repent. It's painful, but it doesn't relieve us of our obligation to forgive. Forgiveness releases. It releases them. Some of you, you wake up every morning and you've got to, like your first thought in the morning is that person, and you just, before you even put your feet on the ground, before you even brush your teeth, you've got to do business with the Lord. Lord, I forgive them. I don't want to live today with all this tied up in me. I don't want to be thinking about, Lord, I lift them up to you. I forgive them. And then you go, and then you hear from the Lord. Okay, okay, now you can go brush your teeth. Because you don't want to be asking people later in the day to forgive you for your bad breath. So just go right in. Go take care of business. And forgiveness is important. Yeah, if there's no repentance on the other party, this is what's lacking. Relationship. It's going to be hard to have a relation. Nobody has a relationship with God the Father unless they repent of their sins. And yet God, through his son Jesus Christ, has made forgiveness available to anyone that wants it. Whosoever will, let him come. But without repentance, they'll never enjoy it. As you extend forgiveness, not only do you release them, but you release yourself. You're not in bondage to them anymore. You're not in bondage to all the things that they've done to you and all the things they've said about you. You've left it at the foot of the cross and gone on with the rest of your day. And the Lord is going to lead you and you open yourself up not to be embittered, not to be all tied up in knots, but rather to have a flexibility and a freedom. Because, again, we're not going to expound this, but notice what Jesus says in verse 15. If you don't forgive men, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. 
you don't forgive them of your trespasses, then you're not going to experience forgiveness from your father, which is a distance in that relationship. This isn't a salvation passage. This is a relational passage. You're not going to enjoy your relationship with the father embittered. You're not going to experience it and enjoy all that he has for you. Forgiveness has to be a part of our prayer life. And then he says in verse 13, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's good to pray that God would protect us, keep us from temptation, keep us from things that would destroy our lives. Not a day goes by that I don't hear some, or a week goes by that I don't hear some testimony of someone falling so hard because of temptation and sin in their life. Some marriage dissolving, some new adulterous relationship, somebody back in jail, somebody suicidal, something, it's, it's, it's constant. It's constant. And so it's okay to pray for yourself. Keep me safe, Lord. Protect me from the temptations. Listen, Given the right opportunity and the right timing at the worst time possible, any one of us is capable of, the, capable of the worst sin that would destroy us in an instant. And so pray that the Lord would protect you. And then while you're doing that, remember other people. Pray, Lord, I don't want to mess around with temptation. I don't want to go there, God. Protect me. Blind me from it. Whatever it might be. But pray regularly, Lord, protect me. Protect my marriage. Protect my kids. Protect my church. Protect my pastors. Protect us, Lord, because we need you. And so what a great prayer. You know, relationship matters to God. And prayer develops our relationship. How do relationships grow? Through time and testing. And the greater the communication, the greater opportunity for our relationships to grow. The more you talk with someone, the more you grow. The less you talk, Well, the the less that that relationship is growing, not that it won't grow, but the less it's going to grow. So communication, time, testing, and that is a little bit of an insight on a passage of Scripture we could probably spend weeks on. But isn't it encouraging? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why don't we do this? Let's end by, if you guys memorized it, you guys go ahead and say it. Uh, If you didn't memorize it, read it, and we'll read it together. And today will just be one of those times that's not a vain repetition. We're just going to read it with some of the things that God has resonated in our hearts. And we'll just read from verse 9 to verse 15. So if you memorized it, then just do it from memory. You ready? In this manner, therefore, pray. So let's do it together. Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Keep coming. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forevermore. Amen. Let's add verse 14, though. It's all part of it. For if, read it together. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
We are going through the Gospel of John one verse at a time with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And before we part ways, just a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web, AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Ed Taylor or Calvary Church. See if this sounds familiar. You come across an atheist or non-believer that has some questions about Christianity or the Bible. It's about that time you scratch your head in confusion and don't know what to say. Well, allow Ron Rhodes to help in a book called Five Minute Apologetics for Today. Now, the book is short, giving you one-page answers to common questions and objections. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Now, you may not realize this, but we are listener-supported. And each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work over the radio and the Internet and will be prayerfully and responsibly used. You'll be helping people all across the nation and around the world grow in their relationship with the Lord and, in some cases, come to Christ. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in John's Gospel. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 